Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all. This week, Sam and I had the distinct pleasure to chat with our two dear friends, Jennifer Russell, an educator who opened her own remote learning school this year, and Stephanie Walker, a librarian and admissions associate at an independent school here in L.A. They both grew up in the same small Connecticut town and slowly but surely manifested the California dream, one teaching job at a time. There are mentions of several people we have in common, one of whom is Lola, my best friend, Jennifer's sister, and Steph Walker's oldest friend from home. She's the glue who binds us all. This week, please enjoy this incredible recap from these two magical ladies, two teachers who we all owe our deepest respect and gratitude for, raising our little people into whatever they choose to become. Our first of many duos, Sam's losing his mind trying to get this episode under an hour as the resident podcast time police. But with two epic stories from two different primary educators, we couldn't cut it more than this. After this one, you're going to want to call and thank your fifth grade teacher. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Steph Farrar. And I'm Sam Farrar. And this is a job fair podcast. A job cast. Where you shop for work. <laughs> it's work shopping. You guys are perfect to talk to towards the beginning of the podcast because COVID's still sort of rampant. And as teachers, I think we're just really interested in how the year has looked for you guys, but also like leading up to becoming teachers and how how things have changed. Um, I don't want it to be too much about COVID. No, I mean, it's like sort of all the setup and the prologue to becoming a teacher that I want to talk about. First thing I want to know about you guys collectively is how do you know each other? And when when did you meet? Steph, you might know more like dates. Mm. I mean, I started at GI in 1990. You had just graduated. So Greenwich Academy. So we both went to Greenwich Academy. And you had graduated, you were in college when I first started at GA and became friends with Lola. Yes. And I don't know if I actually met you until we were like graduating from college or something. I don't remember the first time meeting you. I was actually thinking about this on the drive home today because I was like, I don't actually remember ever being introduced to Jen. No. (laughs) I feel like that's a sign of a good friendship. She must have come home. She just appeared in my life, luckily. (laughs) Yeah, God, that was, a long, <laughs> I know. that was so long ago. See, this is what's amazing about this podcast is that we are talking to people who are our dearest friends and we don't know things about it. I know. <laughs> like, so you guys never met, like you weren't friends in Greenwich growing up. No, no, no I guess that would no. make sense because you're several years apart in school. Right. But at the same time, like even when I moved out here at that point, there was an established relationship, but we knew we had just sort of been in each other's lives for so long. And I think that served as like kind of a, a foundation in a way that like driving around smoking cigarettes or, yeah. you know, like whatever yeah. we're doing at a time, like that it just, I automatically knew that Jen was someone I could rely on when I moved out here that like I wasn't moving yeah. out here to no one. Well, and I think also I was teaching and she had been teaching back East so when she came, it was like, tell me everything you know, mm-hmm. Right? where should I apply? And then it was like the instant bond. Because like, I feel like I went and spoke to someone at St. James where you were. Yeah. Because I was finishing up my second year as an assistant teacher. And the school where I did my assistant teaching, you only do two years. And then the idea is that you are ready to become a lead. You own certain subjects. You have certain responsibilities. And it's a training program. It's like a t- it's designed to train teachers. Wait, is that here or on East Coast? That's in, that was in Connecticut. That in was actually the brother school to the school that we went to. And 
they had positions open at Brunswick. So I ended up teaching all boys for two years and wow, I, I was ready and I had come out for spring break and I was just like, God, I just don't want to go back. And Lola was like, well, why do you have to? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, well, I have a job. She's like, I know, but like, why don't you just move your job search out here and do that? And like you, I mean, you all know Lola. She has that way of just sort of like oh, yeah. <laughs> never letting it die. No. But also no. just putting the simplest solution right mm-hmm. in front of you in terms yeah. of just change your way of thinking about this. And so that's what I did. And then I think I came out for another week and did a bunch of interviews all over the place. And then I thankfully got a job and it was kind of nice because everyone's going for the same jobs back mm-hmm. east too, like in that yeah. sort of Connecticut so, area. So really quickly, Steph, if you, will you give us just a quick timeline of, you know, where you went to college and then where you taught first? You're skipping my, you're skipping my first question. Oh yeah. I like, I really okay, want to know. Okay. I'm sorry. What did you want to be when you grew up? When you, were a, a, when you were a kid. When you were a little girl. I and Interestingly enough, I used to take the chalk from school and um, like reteach my lessons at in my bedroom to the dolls. But Whoa. growing up, I would have never said I wanted to be a teacher, which is what was funny. But I did. like That was just something that I did. And it would drive my mom crazy because I'm... But then I just started taking the yellow chalks because my walls were yellow. So like once I <laughs> learned that lesson, then we were okay. She was fine with it because she couldn't tell. <laughs> And then when I was in college, I thought I was going to be a campaign manager. Like I wanted to be Johnny Alford. Like, oh. That was what I wanted. I was so into it. And it was, I loved the the work. I loved the pay, writing the papers and doing all the reading and all of that. But I took a class called presidential elections and it literally was like just such a close view of what was going on. Mm. It just started to feel kind of crooked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, oh. why, why, what, really? <laughs> That's so weird. And Government? Just, I don't know. It's you just like peeled back a layer. Presidential elections? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but just talking about like polling and, you know, it's like yeah. everything. I was like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. And I was a government major with an emphasis in American politics and then a sociology slash anthropology minor and I did anthropology just because I had taken so many anthropology classes that my advisor was like you need like (laughs) two more like let's just just do this (laughs) I just loved anthropology it was just fun and freshman year I went home and told my mom that I wanted to be an anthropologist and she was like no (laughs) (laughs) I went to Connecticut College Mm -hmm. I graduated in 1998 and I went into PR I was Got my first job at J. Walter Thompson in New York City, which is an ad agency. And I did not enjoy advertising at all, but I really loved marketing. And PR was like fun, writing press releases. I was always a pretty decent writer. So it's like I was able to put those skills into practice. And it was fun. And we had some cool, weird products, like these watches that were walkie-talkies, basically, (laughs) like just weird things. And then IBM was one of our clients and they were doing some amazing work at that point too. So I did that for three years with the company. And then I did it for two years, just on a consultant type basis. And then I all of a sudden didn't know what I was going to be doing with my life. (laughs) I actually, my, um, my uncle Eddie, who was really basically like a grandfather to me, he got really sick. He was diagnosed with cancer. And so I went down and took care of him for about six months with him and then staying with my aunt after the fact. And, but like, he wasn't, wasn't letting any of the nurses help him. So like, I did all of that. I became like a a nursemaid. I gave him injections. I I cleaned him. Like we did, I did everything. And 
um, I was really messed up after that. Mm-hmm. Losing him, that was the first person that I I had lost that was so close. That was a really heady experience of like seeing how not strong he was as, that I knew. And I I just, it messed with me in a way I just didn't realize it would. Mm-hmm. So I worked for this really crazy psychiatrist as his office manager. That was what I did during the week. And then on the weekends, I worked at a vineyard in North Salem, New York. What? Which, which was run by another psychiatrist. And so I like worked for these two. I have a habit. I'm really good at befriending grumpy old white men. It's like (laughs) amazing. And both of these men fall into that camp. And like Dr. Baker loved me. Like, so he was the one that, that I worked with during the week. Like he was so grumpy all the time, but like, he just like, he really dug me. And then Dr. Nuremberg was the other one. And when I became, I quit. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like, like, um, oh my God, he was like 90 years old when I was working for him. So this is the winemaker. What? This is the winemaker. Yeah. So why not try, why not try teaching? And that was because a friend of mine from high school, Brian Coughlin, who we graduated the same year, he got in touch with me and was like, we have some openings here. Why don't you give this a try? Just sort of knowing that I was like, waving in the wind and so you don't, but do you have to get a, a, a some sort of uh, degree or it was a private school so private no school. but i we work on a master's simultaneously truth be told that i have never finished that master's and mm-hmm. i have absolutely no intention of doing that <laughs> good for uh, you yeah. that was one of the agreements when you're in this program is that you will start to do it start a program <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and there they paid for like 80 percent of the classes at the time wow. which is great because the pay was insanely low yeah, I think I was made like eighteen thousand dollars that first year as a teacher. So, wow. oh my god, at that point I had to move back home, right? For sure, because I wasn't. There was no other way. So I did the two years, and then I moved, and then mm-hmm. I was able to get a job out here. I started at a school called Wilshire School. It was <laughs> the most trying year of my life. <laughs> what, what grade uh, did you teach? It was fourth grade. It was a Korean school, and mm-hmm. it was a school that was basically like. For a lot of people who are new to America from Korea, because they talk Korean, so this was a good transition place while kids were learning better English, and then most of them would go on to Pilgrim or St. James in some way. Right. So, like, That's where I come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly such a crazy, weird place. It was and really I, lost in translation it stuff. Really, really? Was. Can it really you work there, too? Or is that how no. you... No. Oh. I worked down the street, but Steph, mm-hmm. I, I, the poor, I just knew like that was not the right place for her. Yeah. I loved the head of school. She, and she was new that year too. So she like came in and she brought in a bunch of people and mm. I had nine kids in my class and they hated each other. Oh God. Wow. And it was the weirdest Weird. experience just because I was like, I've never known that to happen <laughs> like they, they like i've never seen that but they couldn't stand each other weird. and it was so weird, weird and family made, stuff happening behind the scenes or something clearly I mean, everyone clearly. did have their own sort of what you know it's hard to not see the world from your own little viewpoint i yeah. know but and i think they're so young but it was really just it was sad because i was like how do you not like each other like you're yeah you're nine he's nine like i don't like I honestly, I don't, I mean, I had some crazy parents, like, oh, it was really like just some really awful Mm -hmm. choices that I would see being made. So I knew pretty much as soon as I started that I was not going to stay there and that that would not, that couldn't happen. So I started looking for a job in like December. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, do you want to pause there, by the way, timeline-wise, Jen? you want to catch up to where yep. Steph is right now? I'm happy to. Yeah. So, Jen, what did you want to be when you yeah. were a little girl? So, I really wanted to be a famous singer. Sam, you know? <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, I feel yeah, like I, I really loved singing, and I loved, you know, the hairbrush and the whole thing, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. just... That was my dream. Um, realized that wasn't going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't know, but I loved art. I was really into dance. I would have much rather have done that than had PE or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> really wasn't a fan of the middle school. Like, you know, you're forced to be on the basketball team. No, <laughs> and I, I feel like you that. on that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, but always was really loving like the arts and always spent my free time when I could in the, in the, you know, art studio. And so, well, I graduated from Grunge Academy in 1990. Mm -hmm. And so I went to college at Washington and Jefferson, which is a very small uh, liberal arts school right outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, really it was an odd place for me coming from Greenwich, Connecticut. It was um, just coal mining city. So um, a lot of the kids went home on the weekends because they live locally. And all of us freshmen from out of town were kind of stuck together on the weekends. And But I realized like, okay, I'm doing art here. And I was majoring in studio art and maybe art history. And after a while, I was like, what am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make a career out of painting and but I did love art history so I was thinking oh maybe I could be you know work in a gallery one day or a museum and so I stayed with the art history and I really loved it and loved my professors and you know it was hard it was really hard learning 3,000 slides for an hour-long exam my god (laughs) Um, you know and it really tested me but I loved it and I stuck with it But I also realized after one summer of working in the Rye Historical Society, which is a little museum, (laughs) that I will never work in a gallery or any kind of place where there's very little interaction with people. I need to be with people. And that was a realization just from that one experience. I was like, no way could I be stuck in a windowless gallery or, or museum. And I love the art, but I can visit, you know, and, and was that after school after, after you graduated, that's where you worked. No, I did it one summer in one summer. Yeah. One summer in college. So I kind of, um, you know, said, what else should I do here? And my mom kept saying like, you love kids. What about teaching? And you could even teach art. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, let me try that. So um, I, one summer in between college and coming home for the summer, I got a job back at Greenwich Academy teaching art at a, at the summer camp mm-hmm. and hated it. <laughs> <laughs> hated it. I Why really is wanted that? to quit because... Why? I couldn't stand everyone else's mess oh. and, and like, Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. I really couldn't. It was like, they were, they didn't care. It's a difficult job to get people excited about projects like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if a kid doesn't want to do art, trying to make them do art is pretty brutal. Is that, is that yeah. what you mean? It's like, I, I mean, fast forward, I teach now and getting some kids to do stuff is a challenge. You mm-hmm. know, they're, I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I don't know how, you know, it's, it's a different than 
approaching reading and math and those things. It's, it's, but it's also like feast or famine because I feel like you have some kids who all they want to do is draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do anything else. They want you to leave them alone. Yeah, that's our daughter. <laughs> that's Vesper. Yeah, yeah. She's and like then that. you have the kids who like you have, like, have to like twist their arm in order to do it. Like, it's ridiculous. And yeah. that's our son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's also, there's also something to be said about uh, classes that are very black and white. Like math is great because it's like you're either right or you're wrong. Right. Right. Whereas, exactly. whereas art, like how do you grade it? It's yeah. very opinionated. And so I don't think some kids do well with that. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Cause you know, you also say they hear you say, Oh, what a beautiful painting or, and yeah. they probably don't get that reassurance yeah. from every, you know, it's, Oh, how nice, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't feel the same you know, love for their work. Yeah. Right. Um, parents do, but maybe not everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> love their own kids artwork. Um, so after that, my mom said, you know, why don't you give teaching a try? And I think that was probably like going into my junior year of college. And I said, you know, let me add some teaching classes. And luckily my school had a teaching program. And I loved it. So I double majored in art history and um, elementary education. Mm-hmm. And I graduated in 1995. After leaving my other school, I didn't graduate, but I left a little early and went to Manhattanville, which is right outside of Greenwich. Mm-hmm. And I got my... That's where I went to grad school. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And I got my um, master's there. Um in elementary education and oh you got your master's i was going to ask you have to sort of make a decision if you'd say you're in college and you want to become a teacher do you have to make a decision if you're going to teach elementary primary uh, high school like you have to decide that or is there a way to get something that is more broad and then you can figure it out later I think um, all, all, like an all-encompassing one, right? Well, yeah, I think it's like the test you take, right? Like yeah. okay. it's, it's what, I mean, I wouldn't go and take um, the high school certification right. because I wouldn't pass it. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I just know my strengths student in those right. courses, you know, so um, I'm certified in um, nursery through sixth. Mm-hmm. What are you certified in stuff? I'm not certified. You're not certified. That's right. No, I mean, as a, as in an independent school, you really don't have to. No, you don't. Um, no, I'm I, not California certified. I'm mm-hmm. New York and Texas certified. Mm-hmm. Oh. Once I left the classroom and became a specialist, it especially did not seem necessary because I was pretty right. positive I wasn't going to be going back into a classroom teaching environment. It is really crazy to me that like I could reach out to our daughter's school and say like, I want to teach a course in podcasting and I could do that without literally any knowledge or any skill quite frankly I'm just kidding (laughs) at all and do that in California is that go is that across the board in all in all of America independent schools yeah I mean I think in independent schools yes I mean like like my school never has never really cared that I didn't finish that master's I, I mean, I came to them with, I think it was three years of experience at that point of proving that I could run a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one year as a lead, though, and two as an assistant teacher. But I, like I said, that was a pretty rigorous program. And because I do admissions now, too. So when right. I moved into admissions, I've done a couple of courses that are available in that. Like there's a certification course that I finished last summer for admissions only. Mm-hmm. And then there is now finally, it's the first one, an actual master's program in admissions. But I don't know. Um, I honestly, I just don't want to take on any more student loans. I'm still paying mm-hmm. off college. It's going to yeah. be forever. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. unless it was going to take your pay up by exactly. like double your pay, yeah. like yeah. What, what would be really would the be point? The, that would you be know? the only. It doesn't. It doesn't, right? <laughs> when I first started at Village, and I went in as a fifth grade teacher, mm-hmm. I they were like, "So if you decide to finish your master's, like we're going to let you know, like that's a that's approximately a fifteen hundred to two thousand pay bump." And I was like, "Are you serious? Yeah, you're, you're like a week." <laughs> Because like, and I pay that much money for what? That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, so like one yeah. of those things where I was like, you're not at all making it tempting for me. And then they're only going to reimburse 15%, which I was like, that's okay. Between those two things, like there's yeah. absolutely no way. And what would it cost that. to get your master's in it? A lot. Mm-hmm. I, and th- to me that 1500 to 2000 bump is that's negligible. Frankly. Yeah. But we also get, we get a signing bonus. We get an amazing Christmas bonus. Like there's mm-hmm. like, I just feel like, I yeah. never once felt that I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to get that $2,000 pay bump. Yeah. No. How many schools have you guys taught in, in LA? So I started at St. James mm-hmm. and then I left there and had my kids. And then I went back to teaching at Pilgrim. Can you go, can you tell us which ones are public and private too? I'm just, just out of curiosity. Like how, All private. All, you've, all, you've been in private the whole time. Okay. All private. Yeah. So then from Pilgrim, I went to an Orthodox Jewish school and then I went to another Orthodox Jewish school. Am I only in four? I've only been to four schools. Four. Yeah. How many? And how, now I own my own school. Now you own, now your, you own, own your own school. school. That's true. What grades? What grades were you teaching in all of these schools? Are you uh, sticking to the same? Second grade at St. James, and then um, first grade every other year. And okay. this year I teach kinder and first. Okay. No. So at this point, you're both you're both in Los Angeles. You know, you start your path to really enjoying teaching, kind of finding your stride over the next, like, let's say decade. Would that be fair to 15 years? I, this is my 18th year teaching. And actually, I think I am. I think that's what I am too. Did you have a sliding doors moment in those 18 years of like something that happened in your life personally or professionally that kind of changed the course, not necessarily like to not become a teacher or do something different, but maybe like look at things differently. Would you say, Jen, that like you you kind of almost described one before, which is you try to do the art history museum thing and it yeah. was like, no, I need to be around people. Was, mm-hmm. was that was that the big moment for you? Yeah, and that, I think that might be one of the bigger moments where I realized like, I'm too sociable of a person mm-hmm. to, yeah. like I would be so lonely, you know, and, and I realized, you know, why not do the best of two worlds and be around people that are kids because, you know, I feel like school for me when I was young in elementary school was not easy. I, I had to repeat third grade. Mm -hmm. I was very young for my, you know, parents put me into school young and pushed me along. And then by the time third grade came along, I couldn't keep up. My birthday's in November. So, um, they said, you know, let's, do this now. Nowadays, they do it in kindergarten. You know, they will say like, let's try and do that earlier. Mm-hmm. That for me, I think also looking back at learning, I always wanted to be someone who was able to give other people like a chance to learn in a different way, not just the way someone's teaching it to you, but maybe there's other ways to learn it. And I feel like over time, I learned that there's so many different kinds of learners that you have to reach as a teacher. I think that pivot for me happened when I went back the second time around to, to teach after having kids. Mm-hmm. You look at kids differently mm-hmm. because you realize how much somebody else loves their kids. Oh, that's so sweet and yeah. so true. 
right? I was always, you know, nurturing as a teacher, but I all, but I didn't have that experience other than a niece and, fa- you know, kids that were in family, you know, family or something, friends and stuff. But when you, when you go in and you want to talk to parents, um, I went in with this different idea that if, as a parent, I want to know what is going on with my child. And I want to be told the truth and I don't want you to sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to hear, but as it's easier to deal with when the truth is up front and you don't, you don't let things go for a long time. And then all of a sudden you come up and say, Hey, I've been dealing with this at school for months with your kid. And they're like, well, why didn't you tell me mm-hmm. I could have been dealing with it so long? So there's a lot of learning moments when I think the more experience you have, I realize like, I'm glad I stuck with it mm-hmm. because I feel like now, you know, I can teach first grade without needing the manual, <laughs> you know, I can, I can do it because I stuck with it and I, and I know what works and what doesn't for me. Yeah. Right. Also, I think as Stefan, you were asking about, you know, something that maybe changed you. I'm thinking to myself every year when you're <laughs> in February, March, you're <laughs> like, I'm not doing this next year. <laughs> yeah. There's no way I'm coming back and doing this next yeah. year. How many more days do we have? We just hit a hundred. Oh my gosh. Like do we have 80 more days? Contract, contract time is so poorly. Timed. Oh, it's called contract time. That's why. I, well, that, like, like, we just know that like just it's like yeah. mid to late February when you know you're going to be given your contract for the next like, year. The worst time to ask me. I just feel like, like I hate everything. Yeah. It's time to ask. Like I feel yeah. like. You're like right after spring break. Yes. I I did say something to Sam last night. I was like, my fifth grade teacher, her name was, I think it was Miss Nyman. It was either Neiman or Nyman. I think it was Nyman. But I told Sam her mug, she had this like coffee mug that she sat on her desk every morning and it said, the three best things about being a teacher, June, July, and August. Lovely. (laughs) And I, I remember that, like, maybe I should be a teacher. That sounds like a great gig. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't go back if you didn't get that time off. You know, like that's kind of how I look at like you you would not be able to go back. You have to recharge, right? And And I I assume you wouldn't go back if it wasn't entirely beautifully worth it. I mean, yes, right. Um, I think the moment that changed for me because I was in PR, like I said, but Mm -hmm. after Uncle Eddie died, it was. Working for those two psychiatrists, I was out to dinner with a friend, a family friend that I had been friends with since like fourth grade, and her name was Christine. And we'd gone to a Yankee game because that's their her family was like huge Yankee fans like mine. We went out to dinner after, but Christine's parents were asking me, "What's going on? What are you doing?" They were those parents that could be like just as straightforward about it as my mom was, mm-hmm. which is like, like, what? Why aren't you doing something? Mm-hmm. And Ray, the dad, was like, what are you doing? And I explained the thing about the psychiatrist and the wine and the vineyard. And he was like, he like slammed his two utensils down on the, the plate. And it was just this like such a loud clatter. And you know how in restaurants, like that's always just so like everywhere. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> but, yeah. see, and he says, he was like, God damn it, Stephanie. He's like, I just don't understand why you don't realize that you should be a teacher. He's like, I've known you since you were 10 years old. He's like, and I have always assumed that you were going to be a teacher. And my mom had actually sort of been saying that too for a number of years, but I, of course, thought she didn't know what she was talking about. But when I mean, because she listens to their mother. When Ray said it, it was like, that you're right. Why am I not doing that? And so I immediately just sort of started to change 
my thinking around. And I just, uh, before I knew it, Ryan came forward with that opportunity. It all happened so fast. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I guess I'm a second grade teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And that first day of school was, I mean, it was really weird because it's just like, they're so little. I mean, second grade, they know nothing, but they're so so amazing do you know like well, still, just, they're still looking at the world in such a cool way like th- there's no um judgment yet is there i i mean we had these two boys this is one of my favorite teacher stories but these two boys and their names were malik and sam and malik was black and sam was white and they were best friends and they were in like glued at the hip and adorable and they we were coloring something one day and this is like October. It was like early. And I hear all of a sudden Sam and Malik are like very obviously having a disagreement about something. And all of a sudden I walk over and Sam is like, no, you don't understand. If you're born a boy, then you stay a boy. And if you're born a girl, you stay a girl. He's like, you just can't go flip flopping back and forth. And Malik as serious as possible was like, but Oprah says you can. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that is the most precious thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, That's it was amazing. just, and it was one of those things that I was like, oh my gosh, like, I absolutely love this job. You should be, I hope you guys have been writing down some of the best things you've ever heard. And I've kept a couple, I mean, I have a couple of things written down. I, there's some I wish I remembered better. You wouldn't do it if you didn't love it. I love it. I do. Right. It cracked me up. Even the ones you don't love so much. Yeah. Even the you don't love. How do you how do you deal with children that you don't like? I know I, I know it's a funny question to ask, but uh, it's got to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's got to be those kids you're like, I don't want to deal with you at yeah. all. Oh, there's been plenty, plenty, I'm sure. Plenty, yeah. First of all, I think for me, like I learned um I did I did teach in um Dallas um for a couple of years and um I realized I was teaching 5th grade like I don't teach kids taller than me anymore. that's That's a no that makes sense (laughs) I just made that a rule um, when you have fifth graders that are like six foot two Mm -hmm. um, and three times my weight and like no I'm like I I, this isn't going to work for me so that was like I'll work in the you know primary grades where got a little bit more (laughs) authority there Yeah. yeah but when I think about kids I don't necessarily love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing for me is to find something that we share in common that, or something I can appreciate about the child in order to have a connection, whether it's like, sometimes it could be like, oh, they like cars. And so does my husband. Yeah, and that, so yeah. does my son. I recently had like um, a child who loved anime mm-hmm. and I really don't know anything about it, you know, but I tried to learn a little bit from my daughter about anime. And so she was able to like, I know it's, I think just something um, to make it a little easier to connect. And then the relationship is a little easier to deal with, but in kinder and first grade, especially like there's temper tantrums and there's um, not wanting to come to school, a lot of separation anxiety, especially at the beginning where you want to, um, with the littles, like make sure that, you know, I always say like, I'm a mommy. So they know that I'm not just some person that doesn't really get kids or, you know, have that warm nurturing side of me. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just making sure like they feel safe. That's the first and foremost, I mean, any, in any educational 
setting anyway, but especially with the with coming to school when they're little, just the making the classroom routine and the structure and all that, especially for kids that are difficult, that usually works out well for them mm-hmm. when you have yes. charts and yeah, structure and a schedule and you know, visual things up because they can count on what's happening next. They're usually the ones that are like, oh, you know, it's time for recess. It's time for snack. It's time for lunch. It's time for PE. Never. It's never time for math. math. Never, <laughs> never time for math. Yeah, no. Um, I loved math. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Math was my favorite. Of course you did, Sam. My favorite class, always. I, I mean, I was terrible at math in elementary school and... You're so good at it now. I mean, everything fell into like it was the weirdest thing, but it was like eighth grade that like everything mm-hmm. just started making sense. Oh. And I all of a sudden yeah, right. I was like, I'm actually really good at math. Like mm-hmm. I really like it. I love math now. I love I tutor a lot in math. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It doesn't make sense and all of a sudden it does click. Like, I do think it, like it, eighth grade. That, yeah, yeah. And I think eighth grade when you get into algebra. Uh, algebra is there's something fun about yeah, it's algebra. Like puzzles. It is a puzzle. It is a big puzzle. It's just disguised with weird variables. Yeah. And stuff. I have to tell you, I, I just um, <laughs> this is so funny to thank thank you TikTok. But like, there's this like a math problem that's going around TikTok. Have you guys seen this? Where it's eight uh, divided by I think it's two, and then in parentheses two plus two, and it's an order of operations issue. Mm-hmm. And I remembered it. I remembered it wrong. I always thought you did the number that's attached to the parentheses first, and then you did the rest mm-hmm. of it. But it's left to right. Anyway, I show the teachers today, and we we're having a good laugh of like, I sh- I sh- thought I remembered this. <laughs> Sam's trying to identify with our daughter's fifth grade <laughs> teacher, <Yeah>. math teacher. <laughs> I hope you are enjoying episode number four. Here is your musical break. Also. Please subscribe and rate and review us. It does make a difference, apparently. I mean, honestly, we don't have any advertising yet. So use this as a moment to, I don't know, figure out that uh, TikTok math problem. Anyway, now back to Jen Russell and Steph Walker. Right now. I taught fifth grade for five years. I loved it. It mm-hmm. was, they were big though. Like it would, it was, it was weird. Like yeah, how that's Vesper's age. It's really they weird. grow over that year specifically. Yeah. And that's also usually around the time when boys decide that they like don't want to cut their hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have like body odor starts and hormones, then, crazy hormones. I don't know. It was fun to me to like sort of see the craziness. Cause like you can also, and I'm sure you probably started to see this even with Vesper. Girls start cycling so much earlier than when like it happens. And it's like, you can start to figure out when, like when it's going to sort of be Mm -hmm. a problem Yeah, Yeah, from month to month. It's just like, it's, you start paying attention to it and it's just like, Oh God. And (laughs) we always had, they always had the human development talk in fifth grade, the like, and that was like the, that was like the real talk. Mm -hmm. And they did it so stupidly. Thankfully, we do it much better now. But when I was a classroom teacher, they would split the boys up and the girls up. And then, you know, obviously with the male PE teacher and the female PE teacher. And I don't know what actually happened in those individual classes. All I know is that I would get my students back and they wouldn't look at each other. Yeah. And it was just like (laughs) human development day was just like. It got to the point where we were like, oh, God, like it was so awkward. And I felt so bad for them because I was mm-hmm. like, what are they telling them? I wouldn't yeah. want to learn about this from Coach Emerson. No. Like, no. A few years ago or a little more than a few years ago, they started doing a much more comprehensive program where they brought people in from the outside mm-hmm. because it's like you're t- I'm sorry, like you 
you there's something about that you should not be learning about that from a teacher that you are going to then go on and learn from and like to have classes with that, you know, right. it's like, it's just too awkward. So we brought up someone in it's a whole thing where um, in fifth grade, there's a night, an education night for parents. And then they find out what their kids are going to learn. And then it's like a three or four day program at the end of the days, the parent mom comes with daughter and dad goes with son to information sessions mm-hmm. post the information you know the information and then in sixth grade it's opposite so it's like in sixth grade it would be dad and daughter and mother and son and Ooh. trying to help figure out how and that seemed to no, do, i like that. that that makes that's interesting like, it, it was it's a very it was it's you know it's like definitely a rather progressive approach to it but it has been um it's been very overwhelmingly positive i just i wish i could have grown up more in this generation like how we are granted there are things that i think we got very lucky in our generation to not grow up with like social media and devices and stuff but like right now these kids have access to so much information there's no shame in in the body changing and development i mean we handed vesper a book years ago about what's going to happen to her body so when when it did and when it came she was excited she was prepared rather than like Right. What is happening to yeah. my body? But Steph's been talking a lot about the, this is sort of COVID topic, but uh, mm-hmm. that they're missing out on the social interaction that happened, you know, the, what, what do you, you call well, it? Well, I um, think the biggest thing for, at least for fifth grade, and I mean, we could go through every grade and talk about the things, the delinquencies that are happening during COVID, but yeah. in fifth grade, especially like they're losing out on their peers, like keeping them That's, in check. Yeah. You know, when you're in fifth grade, like you don't know how to read a room. And the yeah. only way you can read a room is by your friend being like, yeah. you're a fucking asshole, you know? Like, you can't yeah. say that to me or yeah. whatever. Or that joke's not funny the That's fifth not time you've funny. told it, you know? Yeah. Like, like, she does a lot. And so, so, you know, those sort of social cues they're not getting. And yeah. I, you know, I think we all agree that everything's going to be fine, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you guys in your own path in school, but fifth grade was like pivotal. Dating happens. Like, yep. that's when, like, the first couple starts happening. Mm-hmm. It was, and keep in mind, like I used to go with our fifth, we used to take our fifth graders to DC for a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did that. That's so funny. I was like, who, like when I first got the, when I landed at Village and I was, I was told about that, I was like, you take fifth graders across the country. No, you do, <laughs> Stephanie. Right. Yeah. 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 And that was always the trip. Like there was always something. It was, you know, yeah. a couple got together or a couple broke up or <laughs> oh, so yeah. and so They're doesn't 10. like this. They're like, 10. Like, no. They're, They're 10, 10, 11 yeah. years old. You're the 10 couple. and 11 years old. And it's like it's literally so everything is life and death <laughs> yes. for that entire trip. Yes. And the boys, no one wants to shower, but you force like we we get that through and the whole week is so painful like we didn't sleep well at all you know but it also didn't help because and this is probably i don't know if this is okay to admit out loud but i'm so far past it now it doesn't matter but there was a (laughs) bar at every hotel you know like and after the kids went to bed we would go down to the bar and like there was at least one night of the trip where we would end up completely wasted and then (laughs) Like I have this memory of going to Monticello in Virginia to Thomas Jefferson's house and like thinking that I was going to have to excuse myself to go throw up. I was like, oh, oh my no. god! 
but it wasn't just me. It was literally everybody. <laughs> like, it's the only way to survive. I, I like, totally everybody fit. who's on that trip. And yes. Absolutely. So, Not but it was, at all. You had to do it. You had yeah. to. Otherwise, you yeah. lose your mind. No. Just dealing but, with our children at home, like all the time right oh, now. Like I'm like, so I, I, it's just like, unbelievable. It was just, but respect. I said, I was like, I'm not signed up to be 24 a 24 hour teacher. No, like, that was hard. But what was the most amazing about that is when you got back from that trip, they were like, that was always just the best part of the year. And even though it was the end of the year, and I'm usually like, I definitely I love those kids and I get very attached. So like, it, saying goodbye can was always kind of hard, but you came back from that trip and that experience and like you have a, a grade wide, like inside joke and you, they come back and they're, they feel older. They feel more mature because they have just been on their own in, in their own way. Like they were in the hotel room. They didn't have a parent in there. They've just been on their own and they feel so good about themselves. The confidence is just, but not only that, like they feel so bonded with you. So it's like that last like three weeks of school, which is what it pretty much was, was amazing. The, the week itself, hell. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm bummed our vest is missing that this yeah. year. They do a trip at the end of fifth grade. Uh, and those trips, like even as adults, like when you go and do something with friends yeah. together, like we went on a camping trip however many months ago, Jen was there and... um it yeah. was so it's so bonding and you do have that like inside joke that just carries yeah. you those things are amazing yeah, yeah. those kinds yeah. of experiences yeah i got and to do quite a few that's of those what makes school. friends right like yeah it's, but it's also it's nice and that I, I think for I, there's a couple of kids because i have kids that are that i taught that are out of college now mm-hmm. and there are I'm, I'm actually have become friends on different social media with a lot of them which is just so interesting to me but they're still friends too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you yeah. know, yeah. there's like one group of girls that they were in a room together in DC and they have an apartment now on like the West side. And I just think that is the cutest thing. Oh awesome. man. And they all went off to different schools. Like, yeah. and they, but this is what they've cut. And I was just like, I just, I, I love that. I was going to ask you guys if like, you still stay in touch with some of your students. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. some of the ones you're teaching are so young, but you've, you've taught older kids too. So, mm-hmm. and the parents, is that what you said? And the parents. Yeah. And the parents, yeah. I mean, I've had a couple of really amazing friendships come out of a, a parent that mm-hmm. I just was never expecting in a million years. That's awesome. And I have quite a few students that did, like that, like that I really got close with. And we like we we got through that year. We got through whatever shit we needed yeah. to. I have one girl who is in college now and she she friended me recently or like a couple like i guess it's probably a couple years ago now but she friended me and she was just like i just it was so sweet she was like i just i really think i need you back in my life she's like like, i'm not gonna bug you i promise i was like that's so cool but it was just the sweetest thing because i was like oh like that was so nice because like i actually think i need you in my life too (laughs) have either one of you found that like after you're done teaching certain kids who you know like you're connected to as a teacher but when you're done with that year and they move forward that like then your relationship is even better not as their teacher but as their friend or mentor yeah actually um, Mm -hmm. when I was my first year working at um, the Orthodox Jewish school near your old home this is the one yeah I was is that the one you're talking about the one in yeah Yeah, first year I taught actually taught um, third grade boys and fourth grade girls and I had um, a student in the fourth grade girls class who had had just a really rough go of 
every year just having, you know, learning stuff. And it was like pulling teeth for a little while. And, you know, she would try to get away with stuff by giving me a hard time. But after a while, like, you know, I didn't put up with it and she and I started connected. And then, um, you know, I made her get through the year. It was like, you have to get through this stuff. Like, and I'm going to help you however I can. And then the next year I went down to teach first grade and I saw her every day and she came to me Mm -hmm. and told me what was going on every day. And all of a sudden, like her mom was coming and saying like, you know, she misses you. She, you know, she wants you you to, you know, tutor her. And, you know, I wasn't going back to tutoring Mm -hmm. a fifth grader now. So I said, you know, let me, I'm here to support her in any way I can. And she would come to me and say like, I'm having a problem with this. And we would talk because we'd see each other at recess outside and we would, you know, connect. And basically in the middle of the year, I said, you know, how are you doing with your grades and, and how is everything? And she said, well, they're not that good. And I said, well, what do you need them to be better? And she said, well, I need you to be in my life and help me more with it. Oh, and so, yeah. And her mom was really respect, you know, cause they're Orthodox Jewish. I'm not. So it was like, you know, what kind of, how much can I be a part of your life and, and helping you this way? But really it was just every day connecting and saying like, I'm walking kind of like, I see you. And even if it wasn't talking, it was just like passing or, you know, I see you and we're connecting once in a while. Um, I told her like, you get the grades up and you and I will, I'll take you out for lunch or wherever you want to do at the end of the school year. <sighs> and that was that first year. And now it's four years later and we're still going out for lunch at the end of the school year. No way. Uh, oh, I amazing. just got chills yeah. everywhere. Because yeah. she and I have that connection now where yeah. I want to make sure she's doing what she needs to be doing and there need, she needs to be held ac- accountable mm-hmm. for it, but she doesn't want to be held accountable by anyone else but me. That's crazy to me as a, so you taught her when she was in third or fourth grade or fourth Fourth or fifth, fourth grade. Like think of, I think about that, like primary school, fourth grade, here's a teacher who's completely changed this girl's whole perspective on learning and life in general. And that starts super young. I don't know. I just think teachers, you guys are the most important people in children's lives. I have a really cool story to tell if you haven't, if I can tell you in a minute. I don't Um, know. I don't think we have enough time. Of course we do. That's why we're here. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever really told anyone, maybe, maybe Steph, I told you this story, um, Steph Walker. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I I taught in Dallas um, for Stephanie Farrar went to Mm -hmm. SMU with my husband and um, my sister Lola. And um, I was teaching in Dallas when they were all in school, being about five years older than they are. And um, I was teaching in a really dangerous and scary part of Dallas called Oak Cliff. I got this job coming from Connecticut. When you apply to the Dallas school district, um, you apply and they ask you where you're living and they give you say like, how far we travel, you know, no more than 20 miles, you know, 15 miles and they assign you a school. It was a huge learning experience for me. I was in um, a really, very, very low income area. Uh, Gangs prevalent everywhere. Siblings of my students were in gangs. You could see um, the older kids coming to school, the fifth and sixth graders with a shaved eyebrow and their pants rolled up to their knee because they're being initiated. And Mm -hmm. it's a really intense, scary time. And I'm this, you know, five, two blonde 
freckled girl who is like, okay, what am I doing here? But um, these kids needed not just a teacher. They, yeah. they needed a lot more than a teacher. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that going into it. Yeah. That I was going to have a drawer full of food mm-hmm. to feed these children who didn't have that at home, whose parent, one of them was in prison and the other one um, was working nights and they were responsible for their siblings and they're in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So that was very, very, very huge eye-opening experience for me um, as a teacher because I realized teaching is not just about teaching then. It's you're, you're a nurse, you're a therapist, you're a splinter remover, you're a, you know, you just have all roles um, mm-hmm. and hugger and, you know, disciplinarian and teacher too, you know, there's a lot to it. But there was one, one student that I had who I knew was having a really hard time at home and she always stayed after school. She lived very, right across the street and she always stayed after and helped me clean my room. And we always chatted and talked and, you know, she would help me erase the board and whatever. And then I'd walk out to my car and she'd walk across the street to go home. And, um, you know, I I did visit her at home a few times. And, you know, you walk in the front door and there's a mattress Mm -hmm. right there. There's, you know, this is not an experience I grew up with. So it was, or even knew it, knew existed really. um, And, or that I was going to be so involved in that kind of thing. When I signed up to be a teacher, I didn't realize that. Um, so I'm really glad I had the experience. I stayed there for two years. Um, I taught fifth grade the first year and fourth grade the second year. And after that, all of you graduated. And and so I left as well. And um, so fast forward three years ago, out of nowhere, I get a Facebook message from ah. a student. It's <laughs> crazy. Is this Jennifer Elmo? Yes. Who is this? Oh my God, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you all these years. And I mean, it's this long, long, long text about message how I had impacted her life so much that she became a teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like she's married and happy and has three kids and she was so motivated to be something that she didn't grow up with. Um, and she wanted to reach out to me and tell me how much she loved talking to me all the time and um, how I made her feel special. And, um, you know, I always let her, you know, have the jobs that other kids, you know, wanted and I because I knew she was responsible and she always felt like I could trust her. Like she was just so open about and we're still talking. That's, That's incredible. Amazing. Um, you know, when hopefully I get down to Dallas again, which I love to, I, we're going to connect. And, um, you know, I'm like, you got to come out to California. And she's like, we want to go to Disney, Disneyland. So I'm hoping <laughs> that eventually we'll, you know, our worlds will collide mm-hmm. again because. That's awesome. That's kind of what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, like, you do, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but like you, you do get favorites. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, <laughs> like it's, uh, yeah, I was going to ask how you how do you balance your time between the 25, 30 kids? I would feel like that would be tough to give them all the, the attention that they need, but there's certain certain kids are going to need more, mm-hmm. certain are going to need less, yeah. certain you're going to like more, so you but you also you know you can't play favorites. So yeah. I always found that so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Especially, but I I mean if 
and sort of answer to the question about like if you have someone you don't like how do you deal with it mm-hmm. yeah. i would i knew i would find something to love about every kid yeah it's just hard to find that sometimes yeah sure. sometimes it doesn't happen until april so you know it's like yeah. you can try all your life. and i feel like with those those actually end up being the kids that i almost call on more or would check in with more more because i was trying to force myself to like them yeah. and I, and i hated that because I hated that I didn't like if I hadn't, and it of course happened. I but like I really, it always just bothered me because at the end of the day, I'm like, they're a child. Like, how can you? But yeah. you know what? There are some. There are some little jerks out there. Like that's awful yeah. to say, but like, oh, they're little adults. So I mean, you know, yeah. it's like there's no. Yeah, and they have like no filter and no like no. nothing. Yeah. But you do have favorites, and I just never would have. I don't know. Growing up, I I went to Catholic school for part of elementary school and those nuns didn't show you a single feeling so mm-hmm. the yeah. idea that like any teacher would actually find me as their favorite or something like that that was so foreign to me mm-hmm. because i i was not expecting that i had great teachers growing up but i just wasn't ex- what, as a teacher myself to realize like oh no i really like this one a lot more than that one yeah. <laughs> i didn't expect that to happen. oh that's actually another good question uh, jen that was an incredible story and and to follow it up, I really wanted to ask you if, if you guys had a favorite teacher when you were growing up and mm-hmm. if there's someone that, you know, because, I mean, we, we're connected to everybody now. You can very easily reach mm-hmm. out. It's not that hard anymore. But um, I got real. I got pneumonia in second grade and I was in the hospital for almost a month. And Mrs. Mason would come every week. And this was at the Catholic schools, but she wasn't she wasn't a nun, obviously. So I was it was so pitiful. I was in an oxygen tent because that's what, apparently what oh. they would do back bubble, then. You're like bubble boy. It was yeah. so sad. It yeah, was so pitiful. And she came and she read to me every week and she brought me letters from my classmates, oh. like oh. saying how much they missed me. And then I when I got out of the hospital, I couldn't go back to school right away. But she worked with me so that I was not held back because I definitely was so close to that mark and um, to make sure that I was ready for third grade. And I will never forget that. And she and that, Mrs. Mason and I exchanged letters for a number of years. And then she passed away, I think, when I was in like eighth grade. Oh. And then my other favorite one was Mrs. O'Neill. Mrs. O'Neill was my sixth grade teacher. And um, at this point, I had moved to, pub- to public school. I had begged and I won the the right to go to public school for like four years and then my wait mom and really like, quickly Greenwich Academy is what to what years? That's a K twelve. That's a K twelve. Oh, so okay. you yeah. what? That's not the Catholic school you're talking about. No, 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 no. no, okay. no. I, I didn't go to. I went to GA in ninth grade. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Somewhere around December or January of my fifth grade year, they decided they were reworking all of that, and they added sixth grade to the middle to the elementary school so like we thought we were getting out of there and then we just found out that we had another year oh, no. like, oh. we're talking about some pissed pissed off kids so <laughs> what they did though they it was a big middle school so they just split those teachers up to the area elementary schools and we got mrs o'neill and mrs o'neill was the coolest lady she was probably in her late 60s maybe she was always perfectly done up like makeup she dyed her hair a different color every month and (laughs) she was just like she wore ear like big chunky earrings and jewelry she was little and she wore huge heels and like she was just so and she started us off and she was like we are gonna have the best year she's like and i know she's like i know what i'm walking into i know you guys don't want to be here but listen you you don't understand because we know this happened to you like we're gonna we're working so hard to make sure that this year is better than any year you ever have 
And I mean, it was. We went to Little Shop of Horrors to <gasps> see that in the show, in the city. Yes, we went to Starlight yeah. Express, and then they rented out the movie theater for us to watch the fucking Princess Bride. Oh, just the sixth grade. Oh, oh wow, she's now my but, favorite teacher. I mean, everything about <laughs> that year was amazing. That yeah. was the year I read Talk Everlasting, and that changed mm-hmm. my life. You're like, just saying just, like all of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I know, right? Little like, Shop of Horrors, was, Starlight was, Express, like what? See, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, it's <laughs> funny all the stuff you just said so that's really funny because that teacher seems like that's a very sweet kind sounding teacher I think it's kind of funny because Vesper had this teacher last year uh, who was very tough and very not strict more strict probably strict. the most strict the most strict had. she'd ever had okay and she loved it and loved at, it. it was miserable for the first couple months like she kept, <laughs> she, kept she kept coming home and being like I, I, yeah, she doesn't like, you know, she kind of felt like the teacher didn't like her or whatever. And we'd have these meetings, these parent conferences, and she's, she was very complimentary of Vesper. She's very in kind of explained that we have this type of daughter that is going to be an amazing adult, but she's trying to figure out how to handle these emotions now and all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then by the end of the year, anyway, anyway, by the end of the year, this disciplinarian type of teacher ended up being her favorite. Had her heart. You know what yeah. I mean? Had her heart. And, and still does. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's kind of funny because certain teachers you fall in love with because they're sweet and certain teachers you fall in love with because they're tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I had my favorite teacher actually didn't happen until I was in um, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, her name is Tracy Kaufman. I learned everything about the government, everything about the United States, you know, at the time, I could tell you everyone in Reagan's cabinet. (laughs) And in fact, I, um, learned so much that that year that in the spring, um, my parents, we were all outside having dinner and I was eighth grade. I was 13, 14, you know, I was like, everyone's calling the house every night, all mm-hmm. hours, phones for you, phones for you, <laughs> and, you know, constantly. And my dad was getting annoyed by it. So he said, you know, I'll make you a deal in front of the whole family at dinner. You answer five questions for me correctly, and I will get you your own phone and your own phone line. <laughs> well, he didn't know I was taking this class oh, with this amazing oh. teacher named Tracy Kaufman, <laughs> um, who was going <laughs> to ask me who the Secretary of Defense was, who the <laughs> House Speaker was, and asked me, and I rattled them off like I must have worked in the White House. Yeah. Oh, and he looked at my mother. And he looked at me and he goes, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I went out the next day and got I got a, a new phone and a new phone number. And <laughs> the phone never rang for me on that line ever again. You yeah. know? I think, I think yeah. that worked out for everybody. That's amazing. It's all around. Hey, just listen to some music. Just listen. And rate and review our podcast. Rate and review. (laughs) I I wanted to say really quick that I was actually nervous about this interview. We've only done three, so whatever. (laughs) But like, I, I really have always kind of been in awe of teachers. I think for, I mean, for so many reasons, but obviously uh they're underpaid and work so hard and deal with all sorts of 
miserable little shits all the time. But like some of the stories you've told, obviously we understand why you do it. But I think what I've come to realize in the last year is just how difficult it is. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think most of the world now realizes it in a way that I don't think anyone ever really had before. No, well, no one also, but it's also not fair because like no one signed up to teach their kids. You know, like that was yeah. not part of the deal that, that you're like that, you know, like that's not, no one is supposed to, I don't, I, I'm not surprised people struggled with it mm-hmm. because it's like, I have an infinite amount of patience. I don't know how other than to just say that it sort of builds up over time. I'm impatient in every other aspect of my life, but at school, for whatever reason, most things just don't bother me. <laughs> and most people don't have that. Like that's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. But, you know, you maybe you have it for different things, but you don't have it for your kids. And having to sit down and teach your kids or force your kids to sit down and look at a computer screen Ugh. after fighting with them over how much computer screens they used to watch. Like, it's it it's was brutal. an impossible situation. Yeah. And it's definitely one that I mean, I'm happy to see that it is easing up, coming to a close in, yeah. in most cases. But I feel like you guys as parents, like really, were just sort of handed a super rough deal in this one. I'll say as a parent, I have never been that great at being a teacher for my own children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can teach 300 kids that are not mine. Yeah. That was going to be a question I had for you is how, what is the, what has been the difference for you this year as a teacher with two children at home? Having parents at home and working and the kids at home and working mm-hmm. is, I mean, we're just not made out to do that many no. jobs at once. How can you make sure your child's doing what they need to be doing when yeah. you are supposed to be a full-time whatever you are? It's almost impossible. I mean, the, the reason, I mean, to to just skip ahead, I didn't go back mm-hmm. to the school I was teaching at because they were in my opinion, lacks about COVID restrictions. And they also decided to go back in person in September. And um, I wasn't going to subject myself or my family or anyone to that. I didn't feel comfortable at all not knowing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I had to completely change my entire career path as far as teaching under someone else and having a boss and having people I can go to and I'll have a teacher's aide and I can go off for lunch for 45 minutes and, you know, and um, I can call in sick and, you know, those things don't happen for me now because I opened my own learning pod school um, where I'm my own boss. I'm the director and the teacher. Yeah, tell us about Jen Russell's school for the so finest Myra children in Avenue Los Angeles. Primary schoolhouse. Um, Wait, what? Sorry, what's it called? Yeah. Myra Avenue Primary Schoolhouse. Nice. Um, and it's called Maps for short. Nice, nice. perfect. Um, what ended up happening was I reached out to my neighbors, and um, luckily, our neighbor next door has a child who's starting um, in our elementary school in our neighborhood, and so they got the word out that I was thinking about opening, and it just kind of tumbled into this thing that I had always kind of dreamt about when I became a teacher, like, oh, I'd love to open my own space one day. Cause you know, you get to do it your own way. And 
uh, you know, you can hire your friends and <laughs> the people that you, <laughs> you want to hang out with. And, you know, it all be like this, you know, golden arches school, but it ended up, I had to kind of work it where I had to be more flexible for the situation in my mind. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to teach this and I'm going to do this and we're going to have it, you know? And when it all came down to what parents and the kids needed, it was the kids need to stay in their schools, but the parents are working, but not at home. Um, yeah, they don't, I mean, the parents are at home working. They don't. And so they wanted to like, you know, there's a space that I can take my child to mm-hmm. where they're going to, where we're going to, you know, we follow all the restrictions. We follow all the rules. We do all the temperature taking and the sanitizing and the whole thing every day. But we've been together the same group of people since we started and you know, no one really intermingles otherwise. Um, so it's worked out really well. We've all knock on wood been mm-hmm. super healthy. How, ma- this how many kids do you have? How many kids? Um, do you I take? started with seven and now I have five. Mm-hmm. It's been really amazing how it's worked out. Just I'm teaching in between their zooming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because I have kinder and first graders right now, their times are different, luckily. So when these guys are on Zoom over here, I'm working with these guys and helping them with their assignments. They don't know how to tell time. So I'm making sure they're getting on their things when they're supposed to be and, you know, yeah. trying, you're just, you know, managing a lot of management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we finish, everyone's done after lunch. You know, we have, we, you know, have activities and we go to the backyard and play. And I, you know, I would love for it to become something, but I don't know if the need will be there after all this is over. So I'm kind of in a limbo stage, you know, running my thing and, you know, it's an official school. So I have it and it's an establishment. So it's something I could, I could take further if, if I wanted. Pretty amazing. To me, it goes to show like how beautifully you in particular and other people around the world just adapted to this disaster. Like you've taken a really shitty situation and not only given yourself your own income, your own school, but helped five to seven other families. Like it's a huge Thanks. commitment. It felt, yeah. to do it. It felt, it felt like this it is felt right. right. Yeah. yeah. And it's been very, re- I mean, everyone's very receptive. The kids mm-hmm. love coming. It's that they don't want to go home in the afternoon. You know that you're doing right. something. Um, I I don't want to keep you guys too much longer, but I I would love just just a couple, like just so curious about like Steph, how COVID has affected your, like what your day looks like at school. Because I know as a specialist, you're not going back to campus yet. No, although I am starting to see first grade once a week in person. And with any luck, that'll increase. But the way what's just been happening is I was really scared about going on doing this and having to do library over Zoom. I was like, how's like, how is that honestly supposed to work? And I was like, can I just say, like, I want to keep doing the way things the way I want to do them and can just tell the kids, like, I just want them to get in a cozy place and to get concert balls so we can enjoy some books. Because usually in the library, like we would, they would all sit together and I would sit in front of them so that they could see the book. And it was, it's always very sweet and cozy and like, yeah, they're like draped all over you. And it's just, it's the best. It's, I, yeah. It's just, it's like, <laughs> it's such a comforting, actually little atmosphere. And they, the littles really love library. So um, they come in already loving library and books, which is good. And so it makes my job like just super easy. It feels like. And so I decided that I wasn't going to actually change anything. I was going to do the same thing. So I picked out, 
you know, the different books that I would want, that I was wanting to do. And I would start every class off the same way where like everyone's coming on and I would say, I would say individually hello to every single student. And then I would say, okay, now, now you guys can get comfy if you want to lay down. I'm the only class that you're allowed to lay down and all the other teachers don't let you do this. So, <laughs> so I was like, you can lay down if you want. There's a lot of forts. There's a lot of like little pill, like pillow forts going on. And I said, you know, some, maybe it's a good time for a snack or for lunch or anything. So just know that like you can, that's okay. And the mute button is just heaven. So that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's like one thing I could take with me, but, um, and we just read the, and so like I take pictures of the books and I do like a PDF, put up together a PDF presentation of the book. And then I just share it on the screen and I just, I just do my thing. I just read the books. And I was at first, I was like, God, this just doesn't seem like, it doesn't feel like I'm really connecting. And, but then I actually, it started the other, the, I, it did like all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, like they're having so much fun. We're having so much fun doing this. And then I started getting emails and I have gotten, and I've had an overwhelmingly positive response to the way that I chose to do this. Awesome. And it was so bizarre. Like I could have never guessed that it would have been that easy. I know that a lot of other teachers struggle because they don't have, they can't tell the kids that they can lay down. You know, it's like kids, the music teacher needs you to be playing that stupid recorder. You know, like it's all kinds of like, that's hard, but does she that? <laughs> yeah. I, I second that Jen. Does she, can't she just uh, play a video? That recorder. But um, I feel like in a way I was just so lucky at the beginning of the school year. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to connect with these kindergarten students that, that don't know me at all. Like this, I'm just this face on the mm. screen. So I started going back in regularly like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the kids actually haven't been to the library yet, which is mm-hmm. crazy, even though they're on campus. And Wait, you're zooming from the stuff. library to their classroom? Like at- that, that's good. Like that's how it's going to look oh. in some cases now. But most of our specials have now been pushed to the afternoon. So we're all going to be doing it. The kids will be home while we're doing it from right. now on. But, um, or that's kind of how it's been. It's been a mix. It's honestly it's, four schedules. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so this, so Monday I walked in and I had like a, like my 80 bags that I always have. <laughs> and I walked past the kindergarten classroom and all of a sudden I hear this like shriek and this little girl comes running to the door and she was like, you're the librarian. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And she turned around. It's her. And all of a sudden, like five little girls came running out and just like, Aww. I was like, you made me feel like a rock star. Like that was the sweetest Aww. thing. But they were just like, you, you are the one, like you read the books. And I'm like, yes, I do. That is me. I probably like, that is definitely me. And <laughs> they are, it was just so bizarre to them because I had only been a face on a screen. Oh my God. Yeah. You're their first celebrity. Steph. Like, right. I was like, this is so, and it was just like the cutest thing. And I was like, God, I wish I could have videotaped that moment oh. because like, that was ra- That was just so cool. So, I mean, so we're just, we're figuring, we all figured it out. Yeah. We, I mean, everyone did, right? We we pivoted. That's what the word of this. That was the word of the spring that everyone yep. freaking hated. Asynchronous <laughs> and synchronous learning. Everyone hated Ugh. that. Like asynchronous. That word can just can go away. Right can there. we just say like you're gonna do the work at home? Yeah. Mom well, and Dad? I was like, why is this such a difficult word? Like, what are you talking about? Like, our yeah. kids are seven. 
Why are we using words like asynchronous for them? No. That's not cool. Most adults can't even spell that. No. That's not okay. I thought it, I, you guys, I thought it was asynchronous for three months. <laughs> and Flynn's probably like, no, it's asynchronous. He's like, mom, yeah. I don't want to do my work. Can I play Paw Patrol? Or whatever? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, my God. There, I mean, there's so many things I've written down, but I wanted to ask about like special needs and things that you've probably had to deal with, spotting issues with kids, there's all, all, you know, that kind of stuff too. But. but I do feel like you guys provide such great specific stories of things yeah. that changed your lives and yeah. the lives of kids. A question I do have is for anyone just starting out, just out of college or when they're young, thinking about becoming a teacher or anyone maybe thinking of becoming a teacher possibly later in life? Like, what's your what's your advice? That's a large, broad question, but maybe just a couple key points. It's That's loaded. a loaded question because there's, I mean, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. And um, you are going to be challenged in ways, you know, that you never thought possible. Like, I mean, when you're talking, I mean, just briefly, when, you know, Sam mentioned special needs and, and stuff. Um, I am not trained to teach special needs kids, but there's definitely learning dis, you know, differences and um, disabilities that you face. And um, I mean, I've had children with processing issues mm -hmm. and, um, you know, sensory. Yeah. Sensory yeah. issues. And kids that act out and um, have temper tantrums and can't control their bodies. And it's very new today because those things weren't even looked at or tested, you know, years and years ago. Um, now, I mean, I've, I've had kids, you know, hit me and mm -hmm. pick me and it's kind of sometimes comes with the job, just like dealing with a bloody nose, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of par for the course, but I'll say having done it for so long, it will knock you down every day. Yeah. And if you can keep getting up and going and realizing you are going to learn it and it's going to become second nature to you, just like any job that you stick with and, you know, you know, learning how to you just use a cash register or learning how yeah. to use Sam's crazy machines in there, like any, you know, like <laughs> totally. anything it comes, it's like, I wouldn't be able to walk in there and turn anything on, but he can do it without looking, you know, mm -hmm. it comes, it comes naturally after a while. And I think as far as, you know, career change, it's super rewarding. Cause when you're done at the end of the year, you're like, wow, yeah. I can't believe everything I did this year. Yeah. And when you look even even with students, you know, that I'm, I'm not fully teaching right now that I have in my pod just from September and the handwriting right. and looking at their journal and like opening it up and showing them, you know, like, look how much you've learned. It's funny. This reminds me of this conversation I had with this little boy in my group. He has always said like, I don't want to do it because it's hard. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to karate today. Why not? It's hard. I don't want to do that worksheet. How come it's, you know, you did one yesterday, but this one's hard. I said, you know what though? You learned how to walk. You learned how to talk. You learned how to use a fork and a spoon and, you know, you've done hard things. And so you can go every day and do hard things. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the, what I look back at now. And so like, I've done really hard things teaching and I'll continue to do it if that's kind of where 
my calling is. I mean, I think that's what it's been. I feel like that's where I'm most comfortable. It's what I know. Would you say is patience the number one characteristic you think you need to be a teacher? Patience is a big, big, big one. Big part. Big part of it. Um, Because you are going to meet and come in contact with so many different types of people. And like you said, you know, asking about learners, like reaching different learners. Yeah, you have to be patient because you're going to have a group over here that, you know, you say boo and, you know, they can write an entire, you know, story on their own. And then you have this person who doesn't even know how to write their name. Yeah. Right. And then also for every child that you have to be patient with, you have one to two parents to be patient with as well. So it's like, it's it's a threefer or at least a twofer, you know, you have to be um, confident to speak to parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The pivot in having children and the way I would speak to parents before and the after, I think it was more like, I felt like I could speak to them. I'm more of like a saying the level that I would want someone to tell me about my child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I learned it from, you know, one of my principals before, like, tell the truth yeah. because you want to fix the problem if there is one mm-hmm. and, and tell the truth when the kid is, you know, doing super well, you know, it's like both positive and negative, you know, and yeah. um, it's almost, almost important to always do it. Like when they've done something really well too. I mean, obviously when they've overcome something, but but there you forget to do it sometimes. You, you forget to do yeah. praise when they've done something really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would agree, I would agree with patience and confidence for sure. I think um, I think having a really good sense of humor is super helpful. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And <laughs> I think that because um, it's especially <laughs> like, and I'm sure you're probably like you were talking about this before with Vesper as they start to experiment with humor and sarcasm. And and hit them like miss the mark like a lot, oh, by a so lot far so like, like a mile like, a mile to the left know? you know what I mean <laughs> like and you just wanna like I mean it's definitely yeah. yeah I think a really good sense of humor helps yeah my parents have always said that sense of humor is a secret to a, a long I mean, marriage no oh, yeah. I, I, yeah yeah but I think it's I think it's the secret to life period yeah <laughs> I just I remember I was thinking about this before I remember this one boy named Zach who is probably graduate as uh, senior college now. And he, Barry actually came in and did a couple of lessons um, in my class mm-hmm, when that's I was right. a fifth grade teacher. And he came in and we get Barry wanted them to do cat pictures. I don't remember <laughs> what it was about, but like he, he was going to do cat and like Barry was going to come back and judge them. And it was like a whole <laughs> thing. And um, I got up to Zach's picture and completely lost it. In a way that was just not like, it was the fun. I was like, what is that? Like, it was nothing close to a cat. Like, no, like nothing close. And he looks at me. And for a second, I, th- I was like, oh, my God. I oh, think God, I've ruined this cat. kid's life. Like, but yeah. he's just, start- thankfully, like, he started laughing. He goes, you know, I hate art. And I think about that. And I mean, and he, I actually saw, so we, they always do like a graduate for this, when the grad, when this kids graduate from high school, our school invites them back for a thing. And he came and he said, and he was, that was like the first thing he brought up. He was like, do you remember my cat picture? I was like, Zach, I will never forget your cat picture. <laughs> that is never going to happen. Yeah, it's you like still got it. You got to frame that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those, the patience, confidence, good sense of humor. That's. Yeah. 
And I think the willingness to just give it a shot too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would be, would be surprised at how well they would do with it. You can learn all of the stuff. Yeah. Like that part of it is not that hard. If and especially like if you know, as you get a little older, yes. I mean, I don't think I would teach anything past geometry mm-hmm. if I if I were to go back into the classroom. But I feel like any of that stuff, you can learn that. Like mm-hmm. that's so you can refresh yeah. your memory. You'd probably be amazed at how much you remember from high school yourself. Like the stuff to being a teacher is not the actual like knowledge that you impart out. Mm-hmm. That's right. not I think anybody can actually do that. I just think it's those other pieces. I mean, I feel I've always been really terrified to be a teacher, just having to be, I mean, you're on stage when you're a teacher, you're fully on display and your knowledge is all these children are listening to and learn like that. There is a lot of pressure there. You could literally tell them that the world is flat. Mm hmm. And they yeah. would believe you. Some people do. I know some people. <laughs> like, that's yeah. scary part. But when I first became a second grade teacher, I remember when my uh, the lead teacher I was working with, it was going to be my first time with the kids by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned because that had never happened before. I was a camp counselor. I did that. I'm fine mm-hmm. with stuff like that. But I'd never actually led a full day at that point. And so she said, she was, she was like, you are taking this way too seriously. <laughs> She's like, we can fix whatever you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's like, so just don't work. Like, don't think about it as like this huge thing. She's like, just get through day, but you know, hour by hour. She's like, and if you fuck anything up, just write it down. She's like, and we'll fix it tomorrow. Like, and it, and it was true. Like something I used to, if I ever got something wrong with the kids, I'd be like, okay, I need to do over. Like, let's hold on. Like, let's admit do your mistakes as a, a teacher. Yeah. 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 Let them know you don't know everything. I mean, it's yeah. also like, I mean, I, we, I said this running joke with a class with one of my classes. Cause they were like, you, like, you know, a lot, like, you know, so many things. And I was like, I know, like, I, know. I, I really do. Like, I, I, I <laughs> yes, I, that is true. It was like, it was, like it was just a, like, but then it got to the point where they were come in and start asking like the most crazy questions that they could try and come yeah. up with. And mm-hmm. I was just like, well, and then I, it was like kind of a running joke that I was like, okay, well, I know that, but I'm just not going to share it with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's a good answer. I'll tell you later. I was going to say that if I could add one last thing about advice, if you are thinking about being, having a teacher substitute, yeah, Mm. try it out, Mm -hmm. try it out because, um, it's kind of like, you know, having a boyfriend and you guys are like, Oh, we're so in love and we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. And then you babysit someone's family and you're like, we're never having kids. It's like, (laughs) it's like the perfect no, it's a good know, introduction yeah. Yeah. to what it would be like in a, you know, and not I'm mean, obviously having your own classroom and having, you know, the the autonomy is very different than walking into someone else's room and taking over what you know, and you're not my teacher, and you're going to get you know backlash probably a lot, but that's where the confidence comes in. That's such yeah. good advice. There aren't a lot of careers that you can just. You know, so try out. and kind of try it out, yeah. you know, yeah. like you usually have to kind of sa- sign your name in, in blood yes. for for at least a year, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the other side of it is that understanding that like that type of commitment is usually in the year long spans, right? Like, they, yeah. You know, like that is definitely something that you're not you shouldn't walk away from. I just remember from when I first started, like mm-hmm. any head, the first headmaster, um, which was uh, Mr. Philip at Brunswick, he was just like. He's like, the only piece of advice I can give to you guys, because he talked to the assistant teachers as a group, he was like, don't break a contract. Mm -hmm. 
Well, the only the other last thing I was I usually ask this, but it's kind of funny because I almost don't feel like I need to because you kind of both have answered it in sort of a, multiple times. But <laughs> uh, like, what is your definition of success? Is a really interesting thing with you know careers and and how you view it. But I I would venture to guess that you guys are having definitions of success every day with like you know like these moments with these mm-hmm. kids. But am I wrong? No, not at all. You know, um, I, I used to do a lot of tutoring and just like working with kids after school and them starting off the session like beaten down because they've just had the worst day at school and us being able to get through the entire load that we need to get through. And like they're looking lighter as I'm leaving yeah. at the end of the evening. Like that's a that's not that took me a few years to identify I think that I spent the first few years just being so exhausted. It's really tiring. You know, yeah. like you're you're walking back and forth a lot. You are you have to say things like so many times. <sighs> like the same thing so many times. I used to have big pieces of paper, one that said shh and I just would hold it up in the, the room <laughs> and then I would have I had like yes and no paddles because yeah. they were like it's just like you're Talking, I lose my voice every I, Friday. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first year at Village, I lost my voice the day before parent teacher conferences. Oh, no. And I had to write notes. Like, <laughs> I was like, writing notes to people, like to the teachers, to the parents. Oh. I think they took it easy on me because of that. At first, you're just focusing on getting through the day to get to bed. But I think it took me a while to start to recognize those little wins yeah. when, I, when I started, uh, yeah. when they happened. Uh, but I would say like over a whole year, I would say that's probably the biggest sort of successes, right? Where, you know, when you see, watch a kid come out of it, their shell and, or, or really understand a concept and, or get yeah. into a school or whatever it is. Yeah. But Like for Steph and I, um, you know, having remained connected with some of our students and their parents, you can also find out how those successes in those kids' yeah. lives mm-hmm. have transferred over into what they're doing in their lives with their with their jobs, you know, like it, things that you knew about the child in second grade, now they're a nurse or yeah. a doctor or a dancer or, mm-hmm. a, you know, um, that is really fascinating to me because I recently saw something, in fact, posted it about, you know, teachers are the people who are responsible for all careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you hear, I just recently heard from a, from a parent whose um, daughter had a lot of issues in my second grade class years ago and recognize for me, it was early in my career, but I was able to recognize that she needed certain interventions and the parents have been awesome. And like, you know, come back to me years and years later and said, you know, we really credit you for recognizing those things because, and I'm not going to use names, but she is now going to be getting her PhD in microbiology and teach it at the university where she's getting, you know, and this comes from a student who has really like had issues, you know, learning problems. So it's feel like, you know, you had some help in that, you know, getting her to where she was. And those are the little moments where you're like, I did something. Yeah. I mean, I will say from a almost a year at home as a homeschool parent for both Sam and I, and I, I feel like I can speak for all yes. <laughs> all adults who have children who are the, who they're homeschooling is like a kind of gratitude, a deep gratitude for teachers that I've never expressed before. We are not supposed to be voyeurs in our children's classrooms right. and seeing teachers. We're not supposed to see that, but we're we did get to see teachers' homes. Like no, you're not to- <laughs> no, 
into oh my god that's been incredible yeah but like getting a window into what you do and how everybody's adapted has been really incredible as a parent i don't know how you guys do it but thank you so much for what you do yeah amen and I saw a funny meme right like about in April or May and it was said it said millions of parents across the country are learning that it's not the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one with a car and it's like uh, you lied my kid is not an angel. <laughs> So I'm, funny. Wow. I'm, I'm just, I'm very impressed with you too. Thank yeah. You. And no one ever wants to talk to me and Stephanie about teaching. <laughs> I know. Stephanie, so it's really nice to talk to other people about it. Well, I mean, it's I fun always, talking about something you know, you yeah. understand, you, that you love and you understand. That's, well, that's, that's what I always say is that like everybody wants to tell their story. Like it's, it's yeah. like I could know you guys better than, than anybody in the world. And I still don't know the whole thing. 80% uh, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm so happy. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah. Oh, it's my what a pleasure. thrill. Thank you so much for having okay. me. Thank you guys, that was so Thank awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, so workshopping supports our teachers. At the very least, let's help them get vaccinated so we can get our little rugrats back in school. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.